This morning, as Pastor Greg mentioned at the beginning of the service, we're focusing on the second of our three strategic pillars for our next season here at Faith. Last week, we talked about growing more devotional. This week, we're going to focus on growing more relational, and then we'll conclude this series next week with a sermon focused on growing more, more aspirational. We're going to be unpacking these three pillars in our sermons this month and then in our actions, in our ministries over the coming months and years. Today's text is Acts 11, verses 19 to 30. Let's read and reflect on how we can live out what God's word has to speak to us today. Hear the word of the Lord. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is God's word for us today. Our first step, our first point for today is break down the walls. I know a guy, and this is probably a good time to tell you. I'm not going to tell you his real name. You'll see why. But we're going to call him Bart. And Bart lived in a rural area on a farm, actually, kind of close to a big town, but, but out there. And he lived, well, when, when he was a teenager on this farm, he and his friends got hold of an old trailer house. Their neighbor a couple miles down the road had a good ear and bought a double-wide trailer, and he just put the old one out by the road and figured maybe someone will take it away. And Steve borrowed one of his dad's tractors and hauled the trailer home to their place because they were going to make a clubhouse to hang out in or something. They figured it'd be fun. And, and they just left it there for a while. And then one day, Bart's dad said, you got to get rid of that thing. It's a mess. It's taking up space. Just get rid of it. So Bart and his friends come up with this great plan. They go and they buy a battery and a bunch of wire and a whole bunch of propane tanks. And not these little camping stove propane tanks. No, the big propane tanks. And they line a bunch of them up in the living room of the trailer. They seal all the doors and windows. They hook up the wires. They open all the propane tanks. And they run away. And then after a while to let the atmosphere develop, they connect the wires to the battery. And boom! And as near as they figure, the uh, propane actually blows the roof of the uh, trailer up, and the walls go boom and boom, and the roof falls down, and the whole thing starts on fire. And somehow they hadn't expected that, that explosions would lead to fire. 
So they get out some hoses, they spray it off, they think it's good, they move on with life. But then around midnight or so, Bart wakes up to someone pounding on the door and he goes down and there's a firefighter there in all his gear and he looks past the firefighter and he sees three or four fire trucks out there and, and an awful lot of smoke. And apparently they'd missed a couple sparks and someone in town had seen this trailer home and trailer homes are really flammable if you didn't know. They see this trailer home burning and this massive pillar of smoke out in the boonies and so out the firefighters come and, and they have a lot of questions for Bart, but what they basically boil down to is, what is going on here? Now, disclaimer, I am not advocating that kind of behavior. This is not an idea for the next cadet camp out. Let me be clear on that. But that image, the roof blowing off, the walls collapsing, and, and a massive fire starting that can be seen for miles and miles around. That's what we're seeing here in this text in the book of Acts. The fire of the Holy Spirit is burning and the roof is getting blown off and the walls are falling down and people are noticing and wondering what's going on. The city of Antioch mentioned here in Acts 11 was a huge city in the ancient world. It was, it was kind of the Chicago of the Roman Empire. There was Rome, there was Alexandria, and then the great third city was Antioch. And Antioch had probably half a million people, which doesn't sound so big today, but back then, that was a massive, massive city. But really, Antioch wasn't exactly just one city. It had a big wall around the whole thing, but then it was divided on the inside into all kinds of walled sections. Archaeologists have discovered at least 18 different walled-off sections within this city. The city was fortress next to fortress next to fortress next to fortress, wall upon wall upon wall. And those walls were all there to keep the groups within the city separate. This was a huge city that had drawn people in from, from all over the world, but all the groups couldn't get along. Group A had their particular background, their customs, their culture, their religion. And if they and group B lived too close, they'd fight with each other. And the same with group C, D, E, and sort of work it on up to 18 or 20 or however many divisions there were there. And so the solution was to make a whole bunch of little cities. Everybody lived with their people in their wall. And sure, you could go back and forth. But you always knew when you were in your home territory and when you were in someone else's space. And you had better not cause trouble there. And what's more, you'd better not really cross those walls in any kind of enduring, significant way. But when the Christians came to Antioch, when they came to witness to Jesus Christ, they, as they had not done before, they went out from the Jewish people group and they went out to everybody. And these, these walls, these literal walls, but also these cultural, social, religious walls, those walls suddenly didn't define the identity of this group. And some, some commentators, they might be exaggerating a little bit, but, but they seem to think that this was something that had never happened before in the history of the world. In the ancient world, people did not cross these walls. You were who you were, and everything about you, including your religious beliefs, was largely determined by your identity in this group, by your background, people 
didn't cross those walls. But by the power of the Holy Spirit at work there in Antioch, people crossed the walls. The text tells us that the Lord's hand was present in a mighty ways, and many people turned to the Lord, and, and this new faith community didn't fit in any of the old walls. It didn't fit any of the old boxes. They didn't stay in just one walled neighborhood. They invited people from the whole city to come and gather and hear of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And that seems to be why they came up with a new name for those people there. They were called Christians because their fundamental identity was not in where they were from, but in who they followed, in Jesus Christ. And today, as we reflect on on this call to grow more relational, we need to begin with the reality that the Lord breaks down the walls and blows off the roof of the divisions in this world. The gospel goes beyond our own boundaries, and, and the Lord brings great numbers of people together to be one in Him. Our second step for today is build up the community. Tim and Tracy bought an old, old house, a real fixer-upper that, that would be wonderful if you could get past what it actually was right now, but they had this great plan to fix the whole thing up. It was going to be amazing. Tim was really great with his hands. He'd worked for some contractors. He figured he could do the work himself, and Tracy knew how to swing a sledgehammer, so they worked out this deal. She would demolish the stuff. Tim would fix it up, and so they started with one room, and they were making some progress, and And Tracy, every now and then, would go up to the bedrooms upstairs and kind of break down a wall and clean some stuff out to get ready for Tim to come in and work on stuff. But after a few months of living in the house, Tim and Tracy were sitting there one day, and they were looking at the room they'd started in, and it was maybe a third done. And then they started counting up all the rooms where Tracy had demolished the walls and ripped everything out and thrown it all away. And they realized that they had five rooms worth of demolished empty space and about a third of a finished room and they realized that their living space had been getting smaller and smaller and smaller because they'd broken down without building up and lord he breaks down walls but he doesn't do that just for the sake of breaking things down but he also builds us up and builds us up together when the church in jerusalem When they hear about those walls coming down in Antioch, they send Barnabas out to check what's going on. And Barnabas comes to Antioch and he recognizes the grace of God at work and he he rejoices in this new step in the spread of the gospel. And then Barnabas gets to work. He encourages and he exhorts the believers to hold firm to the Lord Jesus. And Barnabas is the type of guy who you want to be your buddy. The text tells us he's a good man. He's a good guy. He's an encourager. He's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's full of faith. And as he encourages and teaches the people of God in Antioch, more and more people come in, and their faith grows deeper and deeper, and the community is built up. But then Barnabas takes another big step. He's come to Antioch as a representative of the broader church, and and things are really going well. People are deepening in their faith. They're bringing more and more in. And, and Barnabas could have, could have decided to build his own brand. He could have said, I've got a good thing going here. I've got the range, and let's keep this thing going. 
But instead, Barnabas thinks, I know somebody else. I know somebody else who can take this even farther. And so Barnabas goes out and he finds Saul, who later becomes Paul. And this guy, Saul, Paul, at this point in the story, he's still kind of suspect. He used to be a great persecutor of the church. He's responsible for the death of many, many believers in Christ. But he's had a conversion experience. Jesus has brought this man to be one of his people. But now it seems like he's, he's not quite activated yet. He's a believer, but, but he's not serving as he could be. And so Barnabas goes and he brings Saul to Antioch because he knows that Saul is a sharp guy. Saul is a great teacher. He is well-educated. He is firm in what he knows. And he knows, man, he knows the faith. He knows the history of it. He's recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of all of this. And so he is an incredible person to come and build up the gospel. And then Barnabas and Saul, they work together there for a year. And they keep meeting with the church. And they teach great numbers of people. And the community keeps on getting built up and up and up. Now that sounds like a great success story for Barnabas and Saul. But the way the text phrases some things there, we can tell that all the credit is actually supposed to go to the Lord. In the Bible, there's this kind of funny grammatical construction called a divine passive. A divine passive that, that it says something happens, but what it really wants us to notice is that God is making it happen. And so in verse 24, when, when the text says a great number of people were brought to the Lord, we read that in here, well, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. But in the original context, people would have heard that as something remarkable. It's, it's a funny little way of phrasing it that says, look, look, the Lord is bringing a great number of people in. Look what the Lord is doing to build up the community of believers through the work of Barnabas and Saul. In this text, the Lord works through these two men to build up the community. Today, today, how could the Lord work through you? Through you. Through you to build up the community of believers. How can the Lord work through you to deepen the relationships we have here as the people of Jesus Christ? Maybe you have a role a bit like Barnabas. You've, you've received the gospel. You have grown in the gospel. You have, you have much to give. And so your role is to take the first step in some relationships and to be someone who, who pours your life into other people. And maybe you're not as mature as a Barnabas might be, but, but maybe it's time for you to be in Saul's role and to, to take a big step forward, to take that next step of faith that the Lord is calling you, that he's equipped you to do, and it's time to step up and to step into a new season in your life. Or maybe for one reason or another, you're in a season of life where what you need is, is not to serve so much as to be served. Maybe you're in a season of life when things are just crazy busy and you can hardly keep your head above water and what you need is someone to encourage you and to walk with you. Or maybe you or your spouse are really struggling with health these days and, and what you need is just, just someone to walk this hard road with you. 
Or maybe you've been giving and giving and giving and giving and you're starting to feel a little emptied out. And, and what you need is to be able to have someone else come alongside you and just encourage you along the way. All of us, all of us have the opportunity, the room, and the calling to grow in the relationships we have with other people here at Faith. The Lord will lead differently for each one of us, and I, I couldn't stand up here and say to you how the Lord is working in you, whether it's to give or receive, how, how that works, but I think this is a season for all of us to consider. How has the Lord been working at you to bring you to develop deeper relationships with His people. And obviously, some of this has to be organic. We as a church can't program everything and, and set up slots for everybody to fit into. Some of this has to be the Lord working with each of us individually. But here we have a number of ministries, a huge number of ministries to connect with people in all kinds of different ages and stages. And I'm not going to list them all. That's what the bulletin is for. But read the bulletin prayerfully and think about if there's ways that you can connect. But I am going to focus on one new ministry that we have going this year. And that's a ministry called the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. It's been in the bulletin the last couple of weeks. But this is going to be a new ministry for men at faith. And our ambition is just to help us as men connect. To give us an opportunity to spend time with each other, to have fun together, to, to talk about some light things, and maybe as, as the Spirit leads, to talk about some deeper things, some, some heavier parts of life. We don't have everything all set out and planned out for this because we're kind of developing it along the way depending on how the Lord works and who the Lord calls to be part of it. But if, if that somehow strikes a chord for you, if you're in a season where you think, boy, I could really just use a little more connection, where I have some time in my schedule to, to just have some fun with some other guys, or if you're at a time in life when you say, hey, I really have some resources that, that I could share with people, I'm willing to listen, I'm willing to invest in others, if any of those things strike a chord with you, then, then there's going to be a meeting a little bit after the service this morning, 1045 or so, rooms two and three on the far north side of the building. The people who are leading up that ministry are going to be there, and there's going to be a time of conversation about how we can, in this particular way, grow more relational at faith. But for our next step this morning, we're going to talk about building out the community. We want to build up our community here and develop our relationships with each other, but we also want to build out the community. If you drive around our neighborhoods around here, you see any number of houses that, that people didn't feel like they had enough space in. They had, they had too many people, or they needed something more, and so they, they popped a room out, or they popped a whole addition out to have more space to welcome people in. And we as a church want to build out into our community, not, not literally building our physical whatever out, but, but building our relationships out, building our ministries out, and connecting with people beyond our walls. During the time that Barnabas and Saul are teaching in Antioch, a number of other prophets and teachers come, and at some point, one of them, led by the Spirit, Agabus, quite a name, huh? Agabus. Well, Agabus stands up and says, there's going to be a famine in the whole Roman world. And how does the church at Antioch respond? The natural response, maybe the logical response would be, oh no, 
There's going to be a famine in the whole Roman world. That means we're in trouble. What can we do to store up food for ourselves? What can we do to keep ourselves safe? What's our action plan? But they don't do the natural, even the logical thing. Instead, they say, there's going to be a famine in the Roman world. How can we help people out there? How can we help others? And so this church in Antioch, when they hear from the Lord that there's going to be a famine, they take an offering, each one as they're able, and they send their resources away to help other people who they think are going to be harder hit by this famine. Now remember, remember that this is happening in Antioch, the city of walls. This is a church that is probably primarily Gentiles, primarily not Jewish people. Primarily people who might not have had the time of day for the people back in Judea before they became Christians. And yet this group, they send, they sacrifice to help a group of of people they've never met. But people who they think can use this gift based on what the Lord has told them. And let's just be clear, this offering does not happen, and it will not happen unless the Lord has been at work in the hearts of those people in Antioch to transform them. But from this city of walls, these people open up their hearts, and they open up the ancient equivalent of their wallets, and they send help to others. They they cross the usual barriers and borders and boundaries to build out the community. Now I could spend an hour talking about all the ways that we can do this and and all the dreams I have about how we can do this as a church, but I'm going to keep it brief, just a couple things. In many ways, just like Antioch was a city of walls, Chicago is a city of walls. We don't build stone walls so much, but, but if you've lived here for a while, you know that those people, whoever they are, have their neighborhoods, and these people have their neighborhoods, whoever they are, and these people have their neighborhoods, and we have our neighborhoods, and you do not cross those roads. You do not go where you do not belong in this city. There are neighborhoods that that side of the street is okay for you, and that side of the street is okay for you, but you do not cross those walls. Or for the last few years at Faith, we've been developing relationships with some churches in in different neighborhoods. And this year, again, we're going to have some connections with with Roseland in the city of Chicago itself and with the CRC church there. And we're going to have even more connections with Ebenezer, a church church in Berwyn where, where a number of us grew up, a church that many of us actually were members of at some point in our lives. But we've moved out. We've found our own neighborhoods. Life has gone on. But we're hoping, we're hoping to build out the community we experience here to to connect with those brothers and sisters in Christ there. Many of them have a different skin color. Some of them speak a different language, but we have this connection in Christ and we are seeking to build out the community to include those who are not totally like us, but yet are totally like us because Jesus is in their hearts and lives. There are these church-to-church connections that we're going to keep working at. But what's even harder, but maybe even more necessary, is that we want to work at person-to-person connections. We want to build out the community we have as a body here 
to include those around us. We did that at Fall Fest this last weekend. We had a couple hundred people there, a lot of us from faith, a lot of people fresh to faith who came for the car show, who came for the free dinner, who came for the kids' activities, and we welcomed them as our neighbors, not with any agenda besides come and share some time, share some food, share some fun with us. We want to build out the community so that others feel welcome here. And our evangelism and shalom committees, especially this year, are working at at how we can equip all of us in this congregation to be witnesses where we are. I would guess that many of you feel feel like you can't add one more thing to your schedule, let alone evangelism or outreach. It's just too much. But what if we could find ways with the relationships we already have at at the soccer field, at the coffee shop, at the public library, at the lunchroom at work, what if we can find some ways to deepen those relationships and be the light of Christ and do the work of Christ and maybe bring people just a little bit closer to him? I don't have time to get more into those things today, but if you want to have coffee sometime, I'd be happy to talk your ear off about some of these new things that we have going and some of these old things that we're keeping up. But we have one One last step we need to get to for today. Our last step for today is build on Christ. Build on Christ. I could talk to you for 10 hours straight about growing more relational. We can make 100 plans. We can dream and scheme a thousand things. But if the Lord is not in it, If the Lord does not act, if the Lord is not in his power leading us, then we will go nowhere. We need the power of the Lord to blow off the roof and break down the walls before we can get anything moving. We need the power of the Lord to take away our sin and transform us. We need the power of the Lord to to break down the walls of resistance within us. We need the power of the Lord to break down the walls around us and outside of us so that we can connect with other people. If the Lord does not build, we will build in vain. If the Lord does not build the church up and out, then all our efforts will fail. And that's actually good news. It's good news because on our own, we can't do this. I feel like I say that about every other sermon, but it's still true on our own. We cannot do this. We are not capable. But we are not on our own. And Acts 11, woven all through that passage, there are these divine passives, these hints that the Lord is at work in his people, and he has been at work from Antioch then all the way to Chicago now. The Lord wants to deepen his relationship with us. He wants to work to deepen our relationships with each other, and he wants to work so that we can deepen the relationships we have with the people beyond our own walls. We have a lot of growing to do, all of us. We have a lot of growing to do in in our relationship with the Lord, in our relationships with each other, in our relationships with those in our community. But we are not doing this on our own. The Lord is the great builder, and so we base all our efforts on him. So let's build on Christ and let's pray that he really does break the walls down and build our community up and out. The Lord 
The Lord builds his church, and we are blessed that he works through us. May the Lord work a mighty thing in faith, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your many gifts to us. We thank you that going back over the centuries, you have broken down the walls of resistance to the gospel. And we thank you that the gospel went to Antioch and went out from there and and went all the way around the world here to Chicago. And Father, we pray that you do build us up in our faith and in our love for each other. Build us up in our love for all of those around us, whether they whether they look like us and act like us and live by us exactly or not. Father, we know that we can't do this on our own. And so we pray that you work in us so that we can grow more relational, so that we can grow in our love, in our love for you that overflows into our love for others. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.